Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, let's take our Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been launching off from here ever since we started our study on the family. Building strong families begins by doing it right from the beginning. All right, I had to fish for two amens there. Doing it right from the beginning. All right, thank you. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. This hasn't changed. God's word never will. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Quite a blanket statement there. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd bless the preaching and the teaching of your word tonight as it pertains to the family and doing it right from the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let me come down there and join you. And of course, we're going to do our, we have to. It just is in me. I can't get away from it. And besides that, we've been out of this series for a few weeks, right? There's been a lot of interruptions, so... Uh, What were we talking about last time we were together? No. This is why we review. We were talking about engagement. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw Alyssa say. Talking about engagement. We dealt with the courtship issue. We're going to touch on that a little bit more tonight. And then moving from courtship into engagement. So we've done one part. And what I did, I just simply went through and kind of skimmed the surface of what we looked at in the first part of, of engagement or what the Bible calls betrothal. And then we'll get into the second part here this evening, which I think is just absolutely fascinating. As we started, we gave some suggestions to those who are single. And the Bible said that if you're single, your whole focus in life can be on what? Be on pleasing the Lord. All right. You can just give your heart to pleasing the Lord. And that should be the focus of every person who is not married. You are free. You're not bound to a wife and the responsibilities of taking care of a family. Focus is on the Lord and doing the will of God. Your focus is not on internet. Your focus is not on video games. Your focus isn't on dating here and dating there. Your focus should be 100% on the things of the Lord. The Bible said if you're unmarried, you should live your life holy both in your body 
and in your spirit. Oh, that we would have young people who would say, that is my passion. That is my heart. That is my focus in life, is to serve the Lord with the freedom that I have right now in my single years. I am going to purpose to remain holy in my body, but also in my spirit, which refers to your attitudes that you have in your life. And then we come all the way down to the bottom of that passage, powerful passage of scripture. We come all the way down to the bottom where it says that we're to do this without distraction. I'm going to tell you something. If you buy into the world's philosophy of dating, it is a huge distraction. That's why so many Bible colleges won't even let you date until your junior or senior year because they realize the distraction that there is to young people. Uh, they did not allow us to court uh, or to date until our junior year. And I'm thankful for that because it keeps you focused on what you need to be focused upon. So don't get out of focus. The easiest thing for us to do in our life is to get out of focus. I just recently got a new pair of glasses and it was amazing. When I put those new glasses on, it was like, wow, I didn't realize that my old glasses were so bad. Everything just came into focus. You know, I had gotten used to being out of focus. We have gotten used to being out of focus. And if we would have a spiritual eye exam here tonight, I wonder if we would have 20-20 vision. So let me ask you a question. Where is your focus in life? Is your focus in life just totally self-centered? I have a message that I've prepared. It's called, I am stuck on myself. God hasn't given me the freedom to preach it yet, but one of these weeks when I'm in the flesh, I'll preach it. <laughs> but so many people, they're just stuck on themselves. They're nearsighted, all right? Let's get some spiritual glasses on here, and let's get focused on what we need to be focused on. And so I'm actually going to, in the weeks to come, have a whole lesson just directed to young people here who are single, that your eyes should be upon Jesus. Amen? Amen? Looking unto Jesus. That our eyes should not be on the temporal, but our eyes should be on the eternal. And that we would find contentment, even in a single state. See, do you ever notice how Satan just wants us to get, just get discontent with everything in our lives? Of all the people in all the world, we should be the most contented people. But we're not. What is contentment? It is realizing that God has provided everything I need for my present happiness. How many of you believe that you have right now everything you need to be happy in life? If you don't believe that, do you see how vulnerable? And If that is not your focus how vulnerable you're going to be to Satan's deceptions and temptations. No, God has given you everything you need for your present happiness right now. So would you get happy? You know what's going to produce happiness? Having the right focus. Some of you aren't happy here tonight because your focus is not on what it needs to be on. Seek ye what? Get focused. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then you know what? God will take care of all the rest. Do you believe that? God will take care of that life's partner. You know, I wish so much that more of our college and career age were here to hear these series. It would so help them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all, that all-inclusive all, and all these things shall be added unto you. Drop into that category whatever you want for the all. So how do you respond to that desire for companionship? How do you? I mean, one of the reasons I got married is because I wanted a companion. But how do you respond to that? And we spent time looking at a lot of points, but it all boiled down to this one. If we are not content with the Lord as a single person, why in the world do we think we're going to find contentment as a married person? You notice all the married people are shaking their heads. All those who aren't married are going. It is true. We find our joy and our companionship, we find that in the Lord. You know why? Because people fail you. And then we looked at, once again, understanding the purpose of courtship. We're going to go through this real quickly. When a couple pair off in a courting relationship, the purpose is to consider marriage. It's a serious thing. It's not just, hey, you want a date? Oh, I think she's cute. You want to go out? Well, she's cute, but her personality really stinks, so I'm going to try someone else. Okay? So just kind of dating around. That's, that's not what courtship is. Courtship is having your focus clear. Nothing wrong with having an interest in a young man if you're a young lady or in a young lady if you're a young man. But you keep your focus right. You keep your perspective right. When you do enter into a courting relationship with the approval of your parents, both sets of parents and the pastor, then it's, then it's serious because you are considering marrying that person. So we saw that there is some preparation that needs to be in place. I really encourage you, young families, to raise your children up with this mindset. Okay? They have to be over here. They have to be... My red dot's not working. There we go. They have to be mature. They have to be old enough, mature enough, spiritually minded enough, under authority, and they must be working toward becoming financially independent so that they can provide for family. Those, those things have to be in order. Now, most teenagers aren't in that order. You know what I'm saying? They're not mature, old enough, mature enough, wise enough, spiritually minded enough. They're not under authority. And they certainly aren't thinking about Preparing to provide for family. <clears throat> so really, when a couple pair off in a dating type of mindset, not courting, but a dating mindset, although marriage may be out there somewhere in the future, they aren't thinking about it right now. So what are they thinking about? Just gratifying the flesh. I have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend. 
Everyone else has a boyfriend. Everyone else has a girlfriend. I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. The bottom line is, this is just self-gratification. And God has not called us to gratify ourselves, to please ourselves. So then it comes down to what's the attraction? Is it a physical attraction or is it a spiritual attraction? Solomon said, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. If anyone ought to figure that out, it would have been Solomon. But a woman that feareth the Lord, what? She shall be praised. That, that better be what you're looking for, young men. And girls, that better be what you're looking for. Just reverse it in a young man. A young man who really fears the Lord and fears the consequence of sin and thus avoids it. That's the kind of young man you want to find. That's the kind of young lady you want to find. Because if you don't fear the Lord, then evil will be a part of your life. Because only by the fear of the Lord will men depart from evil. I think you can just read what's in that young man's eyes. The Bible says, lust not after her beauty in your heart. Listen to your father. Listen to your mother. Listen to the wise counselors that God has placed into your life. Can you tread upon hot coals and your feet not be burned? What's the answer? No. And so you think about all the physical attraction that there is. So many young, the majority of young couples have started out wrong. The first kiss should be right up there for everyone to see. But we live in such an immoral culture. My uh, brother-in-law, Brent, is going to be speaking to the young men. And uh, we were texting back and forth today. And uh, just want to... Um, where is he? Right here. The world, this is our conversation. The world is getting stronger and stronger. The world is getting stronger and stronger hold on our young people. Social media, video games, internet are now powerful enemies. Do you think he's right? Powerful enemies. Much of it geared toward immorality. So you have lust. You have defrauding, you're going up the scale here. You have concupiscence, you have lasciviousness, and at the top we finally got what? Reprobation. And that is where we're now at as a culture. When we can light up the White House. I'm going to tell you, this is probably the most offensive thing that I've ever seen in my life. Young people, seek first the kingdom of God. Set your affections 
on things above. It doesn't say set them upon a young man or a young lady. Would you young people please, would you please pay attention to pastor tonight? Don't compromise. Stand fast in your faith. Have some convictions. Develop some biblical standards. Say, I'm not crossing the line. Don't rationalize things away. Don't make up all these excuses. Have you ever heard something like this? I told him that he had to become a Christian if he wanted to marry me, so he accepted Christ. Better be careful. Adam. The Bible said God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam and he slept. And God took a rib and from that rib God made a what? Woman. And then he brought her. I think this is significant. He brought her unto the man. Do you believe that God will bring you your life's partner. So my suggestion to you is just go to sleep. Okay, young people, I'm serious. Just put yourself to sleep in the Lord as Adam went to sleep, and when he woke up, when God woke him up, then it was time and the first thing that came out of his mouth when he saw Eve was, wow. So go to sleep and serve the Lord. Have that joy and gladness in your single years. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You do those two things and you're not going to make a mistake. And God will bring, in his timing, and God will bring that right person into your life. Okay? So that's where we were. I know I've taken a lot of time. It took 15 minutes. All right? So now we're going to get into the lesson for tonight. We're going to continue to talk about engagement or betrothal. What we're going to look at this evening is the Jewish wedding tradition. And how that our Christian wedding traditions come out of the Jewish, the Judeo-Christian, the Jewish wedding traditions. So we have the Jewish wedding, we have our Christian weddings today, and then we have our relationship with the Lord as the bride of Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Jewish wedding and then we're going to relate it to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Jewish wedding, the bridegroom traveled from the uh, <clears throat> the bridegroom traveled from the father's house to the house of the bride. Christ has left his father's house and has come seeking a bride for himself. Do you see the parallel? Let's go to the next one here. The father of the woman negotiated with the bridegroom the price that must be paid to secure the bride. 
Christ had to pay the price for his bride. And you know what the price was? What was it? His shed blood was the price he had to pay. No higher price could have been paid for our redemption than the price that the Lord Jesus paid. As I stop to think about this, uh, you know, Eli and Christine are in a courting relationship now. They're not engaged in a courting relationship. And if Eli ever does ask for her hand in marriage, boy, am I going to sock the price to him. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have to pay up the nose if he wants my girl. Because that's biblical. It's right, it's right there. Right? <laughs> you better be ready, son. Under the Jewish wedding, when the bridegroom had paid the price, the marriage covenant was thereby established. At that point, the man and the woman were regarded as husband and wife, even though no physical union had taken place. And by the way, it was only during this time that a bill of divorcement could be issued. It was during the time of betrothal. So this was called betrothal in the scriptures. At the moment of salvation, the church is declared to be sanctified and set apart exclusively for Christ. We are considered the bride of Christ. And whom you have trusted after you heard the word of salvation, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, it's the engagement ring of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Once again, we see that beautiful picture between the Jewish wedding, some of our traditions, and our relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment the covenant was established, the bride was declared to be set apart exclusively for the bridegroom. The groom and the bride then drank from a cup over which the betrothal benediction had been announced. This symbolized that the covenant relationship had been established. Christ symbolized the marriage covenant through the communion, or what we know as the Last Supper. Again, a beautiful picture there. After the marriage covenant was in effect, the groom left the home of the bride and returned to his father's house. He remained there for a period of 12 months, separated from his bride. Now, I'm not saying that we return to that. But boy, there's a whole lot of things you wouldn't have to worry about. Would you marry me? Yep, okay, see you in a year. Let me tell you, that will test the commitment right there. But what's the picture of salvation? Christ returned to his father's house following the payment of his purchased bride, right? He's gone back to the father's house. The ascension. During this period of separation, the bride gathered her wardrobe and prepared for marital life. So for one year now, she's preparing. She hasn't seen her bridegroom-to-be. She's waiting for that day to come. The groom prepared living accommodation in his father's house for his bride. Christ is preparing a place for his bride, the church, and is also sending pastors and teachers, perfecting the bride for the coming wedding. 
one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to prepare you for that day when you will be married to Christ in that beautiful ceremony in heaven. After this period of separation, the groom, the best man, and other male escorts left the father, left the house of the groom's father, usually at night, and conducted a torch-lit procession to the home of the bride. Okay, how long has he been gone? He's been gone about a year. The Bible said no man knows the day or the hour, but we do know the times and the seasons. I believe we are in the times and the seasons of the bridegroom to come. I really do believe that. But we won't know the exact day. Christ will come from his father's house in heaven, accompanied by angelic hosts to receive his bride. Again, beautiful picture between the Jewish wedding and the church, the bride of Christ. The bride was expecting her groom to come for her. And she knew it was about that time. However, she didn't know the exact time. Thus, the groom's arrival was pronounced by a shout. He's coming. Remember the parable of the ten virgins? Five were wise, five were foolish. What made the wise virgins wise as they waited for the bridegroom to come? They had oil in their lamp, which represents the Holy Spirit. What happened to the foolish virgins, the five foolish? They had to leave because they ran out of oil. Okay? They had to leave and go find oil, and they missed the coming of the bridegroom. We expect Christ's return, but we don't know the day or the hour. Christ's return will be preceded by a shout. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven as he comes for his bride. With a what? Shout. The voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The groom received the bride with her female attendants, and then he returns to his father's house. The bride will be caught up with the Lord to be with him. Aren't these just amazing, beautiful analogies, types, pictures? The bride and the groom entered into the bridal chamber and in the privacy of that place entered into a physical union for the first time, thereby consummating the marriage. Christ's union with the church will take place in heaven for all of eternity. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we, what? Ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I love this statement. So shall we ever be, what? With the Lord. It's coming. It's guaranteed. And so you can see how from the Jewish wedding, how many of our Christian traditions have come from that. Also, something I didn't deal with, you know, the reason that you set the uh, uh, bride's uh, family on one side and the groom's family on the other side, and you have an aisle that they walk down, is a representation of blood that was on both sides, which dealt with uh, the unconditional covenant where they would take sacrificial animals 
and they would divide those sacrificial animals and they put parts of the sacrificial animals on one side and parts on the other side and there would be a bloody aisle. And the two people making the covenant would walk down that bloody aisle and then they would offer a sacrifice at the altar. And that, that was what was known as an unbreakable covenant. Marriage is a covenant. The Bible says, let us be glad. You know what? I'm glad my salvation is a covenant. It's not dependent upon me performing anything. It's a covenant that was established through the shed blood of Christ. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, to the Lord Jesus, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now notice this. And the wife hath made herself what? Who's the wife? What are we to be doing in this life? That's right. Making ourselves ready for this amazing wedding celebration. But then we will forever be with the Lord. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. How many of us are really every day thinking about getting ready for the wedding? I tell you, there's one thing. When you propose to a young lady, there's one thing that gets on her mind. You know what it is? Getting married. And she starts making all these plans and all these preparations and how the wedding ceremony is going to go and what her dress is going to look like and who her bridesmaids are going to be and, and, and what kind of food they're going to have. I mean, she just gets consumed. And then on the wedding day, she gets up at 2 o'clock in the morning and she makes herself all up, has someone come and do her hair, Right? She puts on all this makeup, and then you see her, and you go, who is that? <laughs> but she goes through all of this. Why? To prepare herself for her bridegroom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet that there's not one person in this room tonight and I love our church. I think we have a very spiritually minded church. But I don't think there's one person here tonight. I may be wrong. But not one person here tonight that said when they got up this morning, you know what? Today could be the wedding day. Today could be the day that I hear the shout. Today would be the day that the, the trumpet's going to sound and Christ is going to come. Accompanied with his angels. And he's going to call me to the Father's house. I better get ready. Do you see tonight how lightly we take our Christian experience? We get so focused on this temporal, but remember, we shall forever be with the Lord. 
How can you even compare this temporal life with eternity with our Lord? Let's make ourselves ready. Amen? I want to leave you with just a couple thoughts here. Don't ever forget that marriage is a covenant. We're going to have a whole lesson on returning back to the foundations of marriage. Many are not even getting married today. Many who are married are getting divorced. We have same-sex marriage today. But marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. We go all the way back to God's original design. So what the Bible says. Now what pastor says, this is what the Bible says. She is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Marriage is a covenant relationship till death do us part. Nothing could be more clear in the scriptures. So we here at Fellowship believe this. We stand for this. We believe that God, in his wisdom, and in his providence, has established marriage as a covenant relationship. It's a sacred and lifelong promise, reflecting our unconditional love for one another and believing that God intends for marriage covenant to reflect his promise to never leave us or forsake us. If our marriages are to reflect our marriage to Christ, it's a covenant. Let's be faithful. Amen? If a divorce has taken place in your life, I know it happens. But let's be faithful. Let's now stay faithful. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.